Hello, everyone. My name is Endeavorance, and welcome to episode three of Podcast from a Desk in the Astral Realm. I am coming to you not at all live from a brand new location, recording explicitly for the audio format only. Going forward, this podcast is going to be just audio. I hope that's not too much of a disappointment because I am rerouting some of that energy into some new projects to keep a lookout for on my YouTube channel. So expect a new Let's Play series and another live action sort of rambling slash skit series very soon. But with all that out of the way, hello, welcome to the astral realm, and welcome to episode three of Podcast from a Desk in the Astral Realm. So for this episode, I'm going to start off, as always, with some history from your world. And then we're going to jump right into advice questions from listeners. And thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Some of these are really, really great. Uh, and I can't wait to further ruin your lives with my bad advice. But before we get to that, let's start with some history. On this day in 1789, the United States Bill of Rights was sent to the states for ratification. The Bill of Rights most famous possibly for its first, second, and fifth amendments, that being freedom of speech, right to bear arms, and not having to incriminate yourself, respectively. I want to take a quick moment to go over the history of one of those amendments, definitely not the most controversial one, the second amendment. Now, of course, the right to bear arms is not at all hotly contested and has absolutely no issues in modern America, so it's pretty nice to be able to talk about it in such an unpolitically charged stance. So, I'm going to hold off on giving my specific opinion on this for a little while, but let's just talk about the actual interpretations of this right over the centuries. In 1876, it was ruled that the right to bear arms is not guaranteed by the Constitution. And instead, the Second Amendment simply meant that Congress could not restrict anything. They could not pass laws to restrict that right, but there was no actual inherent right to bear arms. A little bit confusing, but basically they said, no, this is not the right for an individual to bear arms. In 1939, it was ruled that it was only in place to protect arms relevant to the efficiency of a well-regulated militia. The classic modern argument against the right to bear arms is the fact that it does mention a well-regulated militia as the reason for allowing the right to arms. However, in 2008, it was ruled that it protects the right to possess arms separate from a militia. So between 1939 and 2008, the sentiment changed enough that it was changed to just be the right to bear arms. And most recently, in 2010, just two years later, it was ruled that in addition to Congress, the Second Amendment ensured that state and local governments could not infringe on the rights any more than Congress could. What that effectively means is unclear, but that's the way it is. So here we are now with a Second Amendment that basically says anyone can have a weapon, uh, which is, I mean... I have a deep respect for weaponry, and I understand that guns are mostly a tool 
And I understand that it's on the person who's actually holding the weapon to do the thing. I do think it's ridiculously easy to get such a deadly weapon. Uh, but I don't think that the world is in such a place that no one should be able to have anything. I think there is a valid reason to have certain types of rifles for the purposes of protecting your home from vicious wildlife. There really are places in this country that have to deal with dangerous wildlife and they need some kind of weaponry to put it down. Now, do you need weaponry that can also blow a hole through 10 people in a row with one bullet? Probably not. No. Again, reasonable laws. I think that we can get to a place where people have training and requirements on storage and all that good stuff. And we can make a lot of difference that way. And it'd be a lot easier to pass laws like that. But it's unfortunately virtually impossible to talk about. So where do I stand? Don't shoot people. Let's start with that. Anyway, the main moral of this story is all of these rulings from the Supreme Court are meaningless because the Supreme Court shouldn't exist. Anyway, let's move on to advice. So last week I did a call for questions, and the theme this time around was advice questions. Things that I can help you solve, you know, problems in your life. And given that I know everything there is to know, uh, I'm happy to lend out some nuggets of wisdom to better your life. Uh, I have a handful of questions here. I'm going to get through as many as I can. I'm sure that it's going to take up more time than I expect it to because I can't help myself but ramble. But let's jump right into this. The first question comes from Ender Sidious. How on earth does TikTok work? It makes no sense to me. So I am uniquely positioned to answer this question because I have just recently passed 100,000 followers on TikTok, which is honestly amazing and a really incredibly difficult number to wrap my mind around. Uh, but the thing you need to know about how TikTok works is I have no idea. This app is inscrutable and it makes no sense to me either. I have been recording myself doing random crap in a room and people are like, hey, that's pretty good. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what's good about it, but I'll keep doing it. Um, so that's how TikTok works. But in actuality, it's a wild app. The whole concept of the For You page is horrifying and brilliant. What it's doing ultimately is just keeping track of how long you're viewing videos uh, and that's much more important than anything else, including liking and favoriting. Uh, and it's mapping what similar users to you are also spending time watching. And it's linking you to those videos by seeing, okay, you've watched a lot of videos containing this keyword, this creator, this sound. We're going to push more of that because you have familiarity with that. And you're going to understand this content and probably engage with it more. And if we can give you repetitive exposure to these more or less memes, we can keep you on the platform because you're going to be more invested in how this grows and changes over time. And so they pull you in and they dial in the For You page so specifically, but part of it is them creating a space for you to be in. Yeah, it's catering to your interests at first, but ultimately they're going to expose you to new stuff and kind of pull you into those pockets and keep you there for a while. It's it's brilliant. It really is. And I, as a creator, still don't know what people like about my content aside from just it's kind of funny sometimes. But that's that's TikTok. And it's really bad for creators ultimately because TikTok doesn't want you to be stuck on one person. They want you to just get a lot of different content and stay on the app as much as possible. The easiest way for them to do that is to just keep showing you whatever is available. So if you're just spending time on a handful of creators, you'll tire out 
your inventory pretty quickly and you'll hop off the app and they do not want that. So they would much rather just expose you to as much things as they can in the hope that you're just going to stick around. I was actually just talking this morning to a friend about how TikTok works and I described it as a digital drug. It's basically a drug. It can make you happy to just sit around and ingest the memes and you can go for as long as you want. It's a little dangerous in that sense. It's really easy to just be com complacent and just sit around and scroll. It, it, it perfected the endless scrolling. Now, is that healthy? I don't know. I don't know if it's unhealthy. But it seems like if you're the kind of person who wants to do anything ever, sinking hours and hours and hours into watching TikTok is potentially disruptive in the very least. So it's important to remember to keep tabs on yourself. And there's no better example of this than the fact that TikTok itself has the whole digital well-being built into it to help make sure that people aren't spending their entire lives on the app just because it's that addictive. Anyway, I don't know how TikTok works. Let me know when you find out. Moving on to the next question, Espa asks, how do I be cool and bald like you? Well, step one, shave your head. Uh, that's, that's, that's step one. I actually spent quite a long time uh, not shaving my head. My hair was thinning and I was more or less in denial that I needed to do it. I, I, I knew I had to shave my head, but I thought that I was not as far gone as I really was. I don't think I ever went too far. I never really got to the point that I was just absurd looking, but my hair was thinning and I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm tired of paying for haircuts. I'm just going to shave my head. And I'm really, really, really glad I did. And it took me a little while to get used to it, but I much prefer how I look with the shaved head now. And it's really easy to keep up with. And yeah, I don't pay for haircuts anymore. So that rules. So step one, just shave your head. Step two, be cool. <laughs> and that's just done by having the slightest bit of confidence. And I, I don't think of myself as cool, but I effectively don't give a shit anymore. And that's that's where confidence comes from. When you are tired of trying to prove yourself and you don't really need to prove yourself anymore, and you can just sit back and hang out, that's that's where people find the you know sense of confidence. And I don't consider myself a, a, a highly confident person. I have insecurities. I have my own stuff going on. I'm not immortal or immune to any of that. But not caring about trying to come across a certain way and not worrying much about what other people are thinking about me and leaning into who I am and, and really pushing that. It gives the sense of I know who I am and I'm comfortable and confident. And it's frankly an attractive feature. I think this is a really powerful thing. I think that a great example of it is a married man who is comfortable around women because they're not trying to date anyone anymore. <laughs> if you're a, in a happy monogamous relationship and you're not trying to find a partner, it's so easy to just be chill and hang out and you're not trying. And there's a lot of history of uh, people finding taken people attractive because they're so laid back and they're so confident and you're just like, wow, why can't I find someone like that? Well, the answer is because they're not trying very hard anymore. They're not, they're not trying to put on a show. They're just being themselves. And I hate the advice, just be yourself. But it's also kind of true. It's not so much figure out who you are and be that person because that's, that's, that's a huge order. 
But it's a matter of don't try to be a specific way and just see what comes out. And if people aren't accepting you for the way that you are, find different people. Screw them. There's no reason that you need to hang out with a specific group of people, even if they're your family. That's what chosen family is for. So long story short, shave your head. King Kronos asks, how do I manage things when it seems like everything is happening at once? This is a very near and dear question to my heart because especially now as I'm ramping up content production, there's a lot of things to do and not a lot of time. And I mean, if you would take a quick look at the state of the world, um, I could summarize it as a little fucked up and there's a lot to keep track of. There's just a lot of tabs to keep up and a lot of everything. And even here in the astral realm, I'm trying to make sure that the cloud rain stays up there. I don't want it to come down because then we won't have the clouds up there anymore. Anyway, lots to, lots to worry about. My recommendation, and this is not a controversial one, but my recommendation is find a good to-do task manager. I personally use Todoist, which is a pretty inexpensive service for their pro uh, subscription, but it's life-changing being able to actually have everything that I need to do put into one place, organized by sort of project or time that is due or priority, any of that. The second that I have to do something, it goes into my to-do manager. And I tag it with when it needs to be done by. If it doesn't have a due date, I tag it with a priority. If it's something I need to actually get to soon. And then I have it filtered into a specific project. So is it a TikTok video? Is it a YouTube video? Is it a work thing? Is it a personal thing? Is it a chore? Uh, you know, wh what is it? Where does it go? And then I can just have my daily list of all of these things ordered by what's due today, what's the highest priority, uh, what are the different contexts, so at work or in my personal life. And I have a single view into everything that I need to do today. And that makes it so much easier it takes so much stress off of my head to just look at this list and say, if this is, if there's stuff on this list, I'm not done yet. If it's clear, then I can enjoy my unstructured free time. The one caveat to this is you have to have good discipline with it. It won't drive itself. You have to stay on top of it. Give yourself days off. Make sure that you build in time to just say, I actually just cannot do to-do items today. And I'm going to let it ride. And that's fine. Let stuff just get rescheduled. Just move it. There is no cosmic obligation to have anything done by a certain date ever. There is no due date to have things ready by. The world will go on. That nice nerdy girl asks, when do you know it's time to move on from a job or get a new job? So I actually just recently changed jobs, and I'm very, very, very glad that I did. I really appreciate the place that I used to work. It had incredible people, and I really believe in the work that they were doing. But I was miserable. I was really not happy. I, I didn't have a passion for the work, which, I mean, not many people do have passion for the work that they do. But I just found myself going to work every day being like, wow, I don't care about this subject matter. And I, I don't care to the point that it, it kind of hurts to keep focusing on it. I'm a developer, and so I'm building 
programs that people use. And I want to build stuff that people enjoy and love. And I, I'm happy to say the product that I used to work on at my previous job, I was proud of it and people liked it, but I didn't care. Now, I'm at a place now where I'm much happier and working on something that I really, really do enjoy. And I still want to work on it, but I never really want to just spend all of my time working on stuff that's not my own stuff. Obviously, I want to be doing this kind of stuff right now, recording podcasts and videos and building fun things for people. But the point that I'm trying to make here is if you are dreading your job and if you have any possibility of just going somewhere else, do it. There's no reason to stick around. It's at-will employment. If you are working at a company that lets you just quit if you're not on a contract, do it. If you're not happy, of course, it's a little bit difficult and it's more than just saying, I'm done because you have to have a good financial situation with which to be able to just take some time off and find a new job. But the other option is just do some job hunting now. There's never going to be a good time to leave. There's never going to be a good time to do any of these big life changes. You have to take that first step and see what happens. For example, I was planning on just leaving my previous job and taking some time off to find a new one. I sent out exactly one resume to one company and it worked out. I got incredibly lucky and got the call back and did the interview and got an offer. And neat. That wasn't my plan, but cool. It's about taking that first step. It's, it's about identifying that you need to make a better situation for yourself. And no one else can really tell you exactly when that's going to happen. But if you are really hating your job, and for me, it was like driving me into a deep depression. Get out of there. It's not worth it. I mean, if you can get another job, it's not worth it. Don't, <laughs> don't uh, get out of there without a plan. But still, you know what I mean. Kryptonite asks... How do I accept things I make and do as good enough without the sentiment feeling like giving up? In 2016, I started working on a large-scale video game project. Game development is one of my biggest hobbies, both tabletop and video games. And I started working on a project. It was my dream project. I had been working on it for, I think, four years from like 2016 to 2020 when I realized I need to bring on more people. I need an artist. I need a musician. I want to do this right. And so I reached out to a few folks. I found some really amazing people to work with me on this project. And I started getting good art assets and incredible music. In fact, the music that is the theme for this podcast was originally made for that game. I was really, really into this project. And come this year, 2022, so 2016 to 2022, that entire time working on one thing, I made the decision to give it up. And that was incredibly difficult. I did not deliver on the game that I wanted to build. I have said that it's a permanent hiatus and I might get back to it eventually. But if I'm being honest with myself, if I ever did want to deliver this game, I would probably just rewrite it from scratch at this point. If I really put together a team with the intent of delivering it, and that'd be amazing someday. But it's not like I'm going to go resurrect that existing project and finish it. It's just it's just not going to happen. I have to acknowledge that. And that was super, super hard. But the flip side of it is that the weight lifted off my shoulders is incredible. I was guilting myself. I was saying, you've dumped money into this and years of your life. Giving it up now, it's the sunk cost fallacy, right? I don't want to give it up because I put so much into it. I have to see it through. No, you don't. 
I think we've already established that there's no cosmic obligation to deliver anything at any time. You don't have to deliver anything. You don't have to finish anything. Think about what your projects do for you. If you are building something, if you are doing something, it is, should be for your benefit. It should be for your enjoyment. Unless you specifically need to make money off of it, it should just be for fun. And that's what this is, really. I would love to eventually someday turn my content creation into my full-time focus. And that is the direction I would like to continue to try to move. But I didn't start doing this for money. I started doing it for funsies. It's not a matter of feeling okay with what you do or make. It's a matter of feeling okay with the decisions that you made around those projects. Did you get anything out of it? Did you learn stuff? Did you meet people? Did you get perspective on how you would do it if you were to change how you were going to do it? That's what I did. I, all of those things. And I'm proud of what I did make. I built the biggest game I've ever made. I built the most complex and I think fun game engine that I've ever made. And it had increasingly better art. And I think it could have been a really fun game. I would have had several more years of development ahead of me. And I was increasingly getting more interested in doing something else. And so now I'm doing this instead of that. And at the end of the day, my goal is to make stuff that brings a smile to other people's faces. I want to just make things that make people happy. With a game, I have to put in all that upfront effort with the hopes that somebody will play it. With this, I can put stuff out. Whoever wants it can engage with it. And whoever doesn't, so be it. But I'm doing the same general thing. I'm trying to make content. I'm trying to make stuff that's just fun and makes people happy. So think about what you're getting out of the projects that you're doing, why you're doing them, and make sure that that's all aligned. Instead of asking yourself, how do I tell myself that this is good enough? Ask yourself, what did this get me? What was the core takeaway from this experience? How can I be better and continue growing? Well, that is more than enough advice for now. Thank you all so much for your questions. There's actually plenty more that I couldn't even get to, and I might pull some of those from next time, but thank you. Uh, that was super fun, and I hope that I actually gave any kind of anything that you can take away and actually use as advice. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, damn. I just looked out the window. Um, hmm. So there is an entire flock of octocorns hovering outside my window just staring at me. So the realm will test me sometimes, and the octocorns honestly are, quite frankly, very judgmental. And I don't, I don't, think, they, I don't think they agree with some of the advice that I gave, but I'm just going to ignore them and hope they go away. Their eight horns just kind of spook me, if I'm being honest. So before we get to parting thoughts, I'm going to flip things around a little bit. And instead of giving you a question prompt, I'm going to give you a factoid prompt. I want to know what is the most mind-blowing thing that is not common knowledge at all. Something that I would not be able to just find on a list of interesting facts. Not something that I would see in a comment on a Reddit thread somewhere, but something that you specifically know, either from lived experience or expertise in your field, some deep, dark cut. I want to know about it. Blow my mind. And I will 
read through those on the next episode of the podcast and give my thoughts about it. So the more you can blow my mind, the better. If you want to submit your mind-blowing fact, you can join my Discord. That's endeavorance.camp slash Discord. And there's always going to be a thread for submissions. Or you can always email me directly at neverendingfeast. That's neverending at F-E-A dot S-T. Neverending at F-E-A dot S-T. And now for some quick parting thoughts before we go. I want you to take five minutes for yourself this week. Just five minutes. That's more than the octocorns are going to give me. But for you, go to some quiet place. Don't have anything with you. No phone. Really nothing with any kind of light. And just take five minutes for yourself. Breathe. Think. Whatever you need to do. Five minutes with just yourself. That might be a lot. It might be really difficult to just sit there with nothing but your thoughts, but it's really important to take that time to just realign yourself and not be constantly engaged, constantly focused, constantly doing something. I know for me, it's incredibly difficult to remember to do and something that I have to tell myself and force myself sometimes to do, but I always feel better when I just take a moment and breathe. And I think you should too. But that is going to do it for episode three of Podcast from a Desk in the Astral Realm. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I am launching a few new series on my YouTube channel. So if you're not already subscribed to me there, please, please do so. I am very excited about what's coming up. I am going to have a new posting schedule. So this is going to be going up every Sunday as it always was, but I will also be doing new videos every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So lots of new stuff coming up. I'm super excited. I hope you are too. My name is Endeavorance. Thank you for joining me. Take care and be well. <laughs>